0: There are some days when all of us panic... And run for cover. The speech at your best friend's wedding. The first day in a new job. The 2006 UK Snooker Championships. Well that's if you're snooker genius. Rocket Ronnie O'Sullivan. Who my next guest. Consultant psychiatrist. Professor Steve Peters. Worked with to make sure he ultimately returned to playing snooker. And winning yet more trophies. Professor Peters has also worked with Liverpool Football Club. And the UK cycling team. Which he helped to world domination. His book. The Chimp Paradox is an international bestseller which shows that we all have those feelings which make us panic they don't have to rule our behaviour. His new book, A Path Through the Jungle, is a practical guide to minding our inner chimps and getting on with the job in hand. And Professor Steve Peters joins me now. Steve, you're the author of The Chimp Paradox. Can we start with the chimp? Can we tame it? Can we train the inner chimp, which can be a bit irrational, a little bit emotional?
1: Yeah, I mean, what I was trying to do when I sort of constructed this model was to try and bring to life how our brains actually work and All I'm saying to keep it simple is we flick between systems in the brain and the two major systems are ourselves, where we think rationally and logically, and then this predetermined genetically given system, which thinks for us, but is there as a defensive mechanism. So it's really about understanding that and then managing the skill of employing it when it's appropriate, but stopping it when it's not.
0: Because in times of crisis, and particularly the last two and a half years of a pandemic, where it's fear based, there's a lot of ambiguity. I imagine our inner chimp goes wild. And what we've all probably unconsciously had to learn is the times to lean into it and the times to listen to it. So is it that constant balance between the facts and the logic versus the feelings and emotions?
1: It's partly that, yes, you're right. And I think the way I'd approach it is to always listen to what that voice, inner voice is saying, because it can be useful, but it's learning to discern when it's useful to engage with it and when it really isn't useful. But I think the pandemic brought a a lot of realistic fears to people. But again, when I try and work with people, I explain that we're all unique, so the way our brains work is unique to us. So some people will fear the idea of being isolated more than they'll fear catching the virus, whereas others will fear catching the virus and their inner chimp will be catastrophic and thinking, this could kill me, which clearly for some people who are very vulnerable, it could, but for most of us, it wouldn't. So again, it's that thing of working through and getting insights into what's appropriate that your chimp is giving you and what's not appropriate to to engage with.
0: Because that's the learning, isn't it? We can choose our response very often, but we have to kind of figure out, well, what is it that I want? And maybe what is that inner chimp wanting? And understanding the differential there so we can kind of tune into, right, this is the right pathway ahead. I can choose my next steps here. I can choose how I respond.
1: That's right. And I think, again, I'm trying to be as a doctor. I'm saying let's work with the neuroscience of what the brain does. And the the chimp system gets first bite of the cherry. So it's probably best to work with that. And you're absolutely right. We, we have this choice, but we get. An information from the chimp first, so it's best to look at that and then stop, have second thoughts. That's the key. Don't engage with whatever the first thoughts are because they're often, as you're pointing out, they can be catastrophic or inappropriate. Uh, So listen to them, but then decide whether you want to move on and decide what you want. And that's the choice. Is the skill of being able to turn the chimp system off and saying, "I'm going to shift my blood supply effectively in my brain and now work with much more rational basis."
0: You're the author of a new book, A Path Through the Jungle, Steve. You've worked with Olympians. You've worked with the Liverpool Football Club. You've worked with Ronnie O'Sullivan, someone who was prepared to give up snooker at the age of 35 back in 2011. Why do people like him come to you? Is it that they're trying to kind of tap into what happiness, what purpose, what energy looks like so they can kind of find an energy transfusion to go again?
1: Yeah, I mean... If you look a step back from even elite sport, we're all the same in that we're built neuroscientifically within this inner system, which we all recognise and we all often talk to ourselves to say to ourselves, calm down. So we're talking to this system. So people like Ronnie Sullivan, when I worked with Liverpool Football Club, what I'm trying to do is say, let's recognise that system within you and see what it's doing. But also let's work out what you want and then let's see what the system is doing, preventing you from being the way you want to be. So, for example, calm, rational, logical, or in the case of sport, focusing on the job in hand. So obviously, when I met Ronnie, who's given giving me permission to talk about him. Um, Ronnie was great because he engaged and really wanted to get to know how his mind worked and how he could gain the skill to manage it. And that's something we've worked on now for 10 years. It's been fantastic working with him and still am. And he he will go back and learn the skill over and over and perfect the skill. And the skill is learning how to manage your emotions, your thinking and your behaviours when this part of the brain tries to take over.
0: Because we all know that moment of conflict and we go into flight mode or we freeze or we decide to fight and Ronnie O'Sullivan has talked about, you know, often he went into that avoidant mode looking for the exit route. Is that what it's about? Is that when you find that tension, you find that moment of conflict, you have to resist the urge to flight to, to go into that avoidant mode?
1: Yeah, it's recognising that the chimp system doesn't actually want to find a solution to something, which sounds a bit bizarre. But if you think about it, what it does, it just wants to get away from the problem. So one of the biggest things it can do is to avoid actually engaging. So you'll get an elite athlete who'll say, I just get so frightened, which is the chimp doing its job. That's really natural and healthy, but really unhelpful. Uh, So the chimp is saying, don't go out there because you could make a fool of yourself or you could fail or you won't be able to deal with failure. Or it might be saying commonly, well, what will everybody else think? But when you actually ask the athlete, what do you want to do? They'll say, well, obviously, I just want to go out and enjoy myself. Uh, And people will think what they want to think, but it's more important what I and my close friends think, which I can manage. So it's looking at the system and saying it is natural and healthy, but we have to recognise it for what it is and disengage it and then really implement what we want. And that is the skill of doing this.
0: Ronnie O'Sullivan famously and literally ran out of a building he had put so much pressure on himself during a competition what advice would you give to people who sometimes literally want to flee the room like how do they tap into to that moment just to be present to find a sense of calm to find a sense of focus <clears throat>
1: Well, this is why this is why I wrote A Path Through the Jungle. When I brought the chimp paradox out, it was really just to in, introduce the concept of how your brain is working and making sense of why we get hijacked with these things of running out the building, when clearly that's not what we want to choose to do. Um, but a path through the jungle started giving you a structured way of actually learning how to get these skills of resilience and robustness. So it, it, that's why people kept saying to me, the chimp paradox is great, but it doesn't give me that ability to acquire the skills. So, so I followed it with this. And if people want to, if they resonate with this and want to follow that, you'll see that. Rather than saying, what do I do in that moment? You have to really start from square one and prepare yourself and start learning how your mind works in any moment. So, for example, in that point where Ronnie ran out of the building, we looked back on that when I first started working with him. And he could see clearly, this is exactly what I'm saying about the chimp didn't want a solution. It just wanted to avoid the situation. And for the chimp, that was the answer. It's only when he got out of the room that he said to me, I sat in the dressing room, think, why am I doing this? And that's why he came to me to say, look, you've got to help me to understand and explain why I would walk out when actually I didn't want to. All I wanted to do was enjoy my snooker. And then he grasped the idea that I'm being hijacked by this part of my brain. And from then on, we just tried to work on the skill base of managing that part of the brain
0: when you started working with Liverpool Football Club, you were approached by Stephen Gerrard, I believe, and it was to help them play without fear, because fear is often the thing that keeps us in our comfort zone, holds us back. Do you think you can truly alleviate fear? Can you convert it into something that's a little bit more positive? Or is there a healthy amount of fear we can all have in our lives day to day?
1: Yeah, I mean, a simple example, if you went uh, to go on uh, a a lake that had frozen, and then your inner chimp is doing its job saying don't go on there because the ice is thin and you could be in serious trouble, that would be appropriate fear. Whereas actually somebody sat in the dressing room uh, saying, right, I'm about to go out and play football, which is what my dream is, and I want to get out there, and then they have this fear, then it's inappropriate. So this is the chimp giving us some advice which actually isn't welcome. So we have to learn how to recognise what's happening uh, in our unique mind, when we've recognized it, what are we gonna do that works for us? And that's what I do with people. I don't really have a recipe. I ask people to say, what would work for you? And what beliefs have you got that will alleviate this fear and remove it? Because the idea when I work with people is they actually can't wait to get out there. And that's what I effectively do with elite athletes is get them to really want to compete and get total focus on the job in hand so that they can optimize performance.
0: For people listening, Steve, one of the things that often terrifies them is public speaking. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the wedding speech, you're going for the promotion interview, you have to do a presentation on Friday at the all hands staff meeting. We all have these moments of absolute trepidation. Is there one trick? Is there one tip before people have to have that moment where you're taking the microphone, you have an audience listening, but you've got the trepidation? Anything you'd advise?
1: Again, I do it simplistically and may not apply to everybody, but the first starting point is an acceptance that this is normal. If you see it as being there's something wrong with me and there's something really bad because I'm so frightened I can't do this, then you're starting from the wrong position by saying there's something faulty instead of saying this is absolutely healthy and normal, so let's accept it. And then when we accept it, that everybody will get this to varying degrees, then let's see what works for me to calm me down so I can get outside and get on with the job. So the second point I'd say is most people focus on themselves instead of what they've got to do. And if you focus on yourself, then the natural thing for all of us is to question. So if we start thinking, am I up to this? Can I do something? You've put your focus in the wrong place. And that focus inevitably will lead us to have doubts. Very few of us have great confidence in ourselves. So most of us then start looking for our minutia of why we'll fail and then blow that out of proportion. So the answer, again, is don't focus on yourself, but focus on the process and the task that you've got to do
0: yeah, focus on the message. Focus on the fact that you're a messenger. You're here to say something as opposed to maybe the technique, yes. the behaviors, the the actual outcomes in all of that, Steve, like when you boil it down and and the inner chimp and and the fear and the vulnerability we all feel at times, is it important to just simply know in yourself though what makes you happy, what gives you purpose? Because if you know that, Then you can endure some of these lows and try to kind of optimise these higher moments and just find your way through day to day.
1: Yeah, I mean, the two things I get asked for usually when I start working with people and Ronnie O'Sullivan was a good example. They just want to be happy. uh, And that's probably the biggest factor for most people. The other one which uh, I tend to go towards is I want peace of mind. So the two things I've tried to look at is how do we gain either happiness or peace of mind or both? Uh, And they are different routes. So the way the brain works as I'm coming as a doctor and neuroscientist to look and say, let's work with the machine we've got in our heads. Uh, And one of the simple things which I go through with people on happiness is exactly what you said. First, list out what you know will make you happy, because often sometimes very simple things can achieve it. I mean, again, we shouldn't expect happiness. I think we try always to be happy, but accept that some days we're just neutral. So it's not, I don't think it's sensible to expect the brain to be in this great position every day. That's unrealistic. However, I do ask people to draw up happiness lists and then see have you implemented them? And I'm always surprised when I start with someone and I say, "Give me ten things that would make you happy." And I'm always surprised that some people can't give any; they just they've never thought about it. So it's almost like saying, "Well, if you know if you're trying to achieve happiness, what is it that's going to get you there?" Um, So let's do that as a start, and then see why you can't implement that.
0: Well, thank you for that simple, powerful advice. I think we'll all be going off to do our happiness list today. Steve Peters, creator of the Chimp Management Mind Model and author of A Path Through the Jungle. Thank you so much for joining us.